0: Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, and we're going to continue looking at the life of Saul. Today we're going to look at Saul's malicious ways. Last week we kind of looked at Saul's evil spirit and how that uh, he used music to combat that. But even there came a point because his anger became so deep that even music wouldn't have an effect anymore because uh, David was there and he started throwing javelins at him. You know? So music sometimes, it's not going to be your fix, but it will help you. And that's why I encourage you to have music, good music in your home and uh, dealing with your spirit, because all of us will battle that sometimes. We'll wake up and it's just, man, I'm having a bad day. You want to kick the dog and uh, whatever else you want to do. Uh, that's where some good music may help. Amen. But when it comes to anger and bitterness, the best thing to do is just obe- be obedient to the Word of God and deal with those bad spirits in your life. Amen. But today we're going to move on a little bit, and hopefully this will be the last uh, message on the life of Saul. I do have an ending to it. Whether I'll get there, that's yet to be seen. Amen? And so First Samuel 18, verse number 12, it says, And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made his, him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. And so let's pray. Father, I just pray you give me the power I need to preach this. And I pray, Lord, this lesson would do us good tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what I see in this passage is you've got one man that's angry, he's jealous, he's afraid, he's afraid of losing his position. That to him is everything, his position is everything. And when a person starts living like that, they become a very angry, bitter type person because anything that threatens that position will set them off. And that's where a Christian that trusts God isn't. It's not about position because sometimes the Lord will remove you from a position. And sometimes it's unjust what happens to you. But yet the Lord uses that to build you and to break you and to make you what he wants you to be. A Christian that is submitted and humble will always find the, the way down. To, to find the way up. Amen. And that's, that's the key there. Saul wouldn't do that. Saul through his whole life, since he was even told that he was going to lose that kingdom, he tried to make his own way up. And that's what he kept doing his whole life. And it never happened. He just kept losing and losing and losing. And he became more bitter and angry. And, and he was losing favor with the people. People didn't like him anymore. He started dividing his family. All kinds of things started to take place because he just wasn't willing to humble himself in the, in the, you know, under the mighty hand of God. But David responded. This is the big thing I've learned about this here is the response. See, when someone's angry at you and they want to get at you, They'll want you to respond the same way that they attack you. And this is how most people do it. They kind of like, you know, one for the other. Eye for an eye. That means I hit you in the nose, you punch me in the nose. And that's the way it's going to be. That's not the way it's for God's children. David never took up the tactics of Saul to defend himself. He just behaved himself wisely. He knew that these accusations that Saul was making and these attacks that he was making were unfounded. He knew that he had behaved himself wisely and he was, he was just before the Lord. But yet at the same time, uh, he didn't find a place to kind of attack and try to defend himself so people would see that I'm not so bad. You've got to remember something. You have a, a man here, a king, that's in a very powerful position. And what he says has great weight. And when he starts putting you down and starts attacking your character, you can be sure there's a lot of people that are going to listen to him and that's what happened that's what happened with Saul he was gaining himself a following against david that was his desire in this in this next stage of life that he has here cuz he wanted him gone he wanted him dead and, uh, but, to, but David, because he was a man of God, he behaved himself wisely. He operated according to principle, not according to emotions or feelings, amen? And so sometimes it doesn't make sense. You say, why don't you go and do something about it? Go pop him in the nose and, and so forth. And even his own men said, David, why don't you just kill him? God delivered him to you, just kill him. He says, no, I can't do that. That would violate biblical principle, amen? So he behaved himself wisely. And so that's a good lesson for us. And so Saul promised his daughter, Merab, to David, but gave her to another when the time was to marry David. So this is very interesting. So it says here in 1 Samuel 18, 19, but it came to pass at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, the Mahalathite to wife. So here Saul is doing whatever he can to take a dig at David. Here, I'll give you my daughter to wife. And David's response to that was, you know, who am I to have a, the king's daughter as a wife? He just, he approached it very humbly, like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be in the family, in the king's family. And that's the way he responded. And yet, when it came down to it, the king pulled back and, and gave him a little jab there. Oh, I gave her to someone else, you know? And so he was going through a lot of things here, a lot of, a lot of things that would provoke a lot of Christians to do bad stuff, but David continued to behave himself wisely. Saul promised David his daughter Michal in an attempt to destroy him. In 1 Samuel 18, 20, it says, in Michal, Saul's daughter loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul was willing now to give Michal, his daughter, to David, but not for a motivation that was pure. It was a very uh, manipulative Uh, motivation that Saul had in mind here. Saul wanted to use her as a snare to David. In 1 Samuel 18, verse 21, it says, And Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in in the one of the twain. (laughs) Wow. So he's to set a trap. Man, what a guy that would use his daughter to trap somebody in marriage. So he could get at this guy. I mean, his character is dropped to a level that is just way beyond, uh, you know, what's acceptable to the Lord for sure. Saul required David, this is the one thing he said, I'm going to use her as a snare, this is how I'm going to do it. You, you want my daughter, you go, you go defeat 100 Philistines and then I'll give you my daughter. So he thought there's no way he's going to go and kill 100 Philistines uh, for Michal's hand. He wanted him to be killed. In 1 Samuel 18, 25, it says, And Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desires not any dowry, but a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Wow. But what happens? Well, David behaved himself wisely. He remained humble in spite of Saul's treatment of him. In fact, he came back, and we'll read this here, Uh, But David behaved himself wisely, It said in verse 14 of chapter 18, David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. That's what counts, guys. What counts is whether the Lord is with you. You can have all the power, you can have everybody's attention, everybody can be on your side, but if the Lord is not with you, you are seriously in trouble. Amen? You can convince the whole world of your position, but if you don't have the Lord, you might as well just say, put up the white flag and give up because you are done. It's about the Lord being on your life. It's about the Lord's hand being with you. And that's why, that's why David behaved himself wisely because him, he wasn't trying to gain the affections of the people. He wasn't trying to convince them that he was a good guy. All he cared about is that God was approving of his life. That's all he wanted, and that's all you should want, amen? And when you're like that, you cannot be bribed, you cannot be manipulated, you cannot, uh, you will not become bitter, you will not get on these uh, disgruntled people's sides with stuff, Uh, you won't let your offenses uh, get an advantage over you, because all you care about is whether the Lord is with you, amen? That, my friend, that's a true Christian. That's true revival in a a believer's life, when we start behaving ourselves like that. And so, uh, so that's how you deal with an angry person. That's how you deal with it. Uh, 1 Samuel 18, 18, and David said unto Saul, who am I and what is my life or, what am I, what it, or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? This is how he responds. Oh, I deserve her. I've done a lot of work for you. <laughs> Any boss knows this. You work on the job, you got people that are working for you for 20, 30 years, they start becoming entitled well, I've done so much work for you, you should give me a cut of your profits, you know. (laughs) I want want to let you in on a little secret here. If you have been paid by your boss, he owes you no more. And if you have given your all for that pay, you should never complain about getting one cent more. Do you understand that? I've always felt that way, whether it be my family business with my father. When I worked for my dad, I didn't expect him to, you know, stroke me and so forth. In fact, I did the dirty work like everyone else. And I'm not going back and saying, you owe me for this many years that I, no, sir, I got paid for my time. And it was faithfully paid, and he did a good job of taking care of me and my family and so forth. And I will never start crying about, you. I'm entitled to something because I've been so great for you. Same thing is as a church member, folks. Come on, man. I mean, let's think about this. We owe God to give our whole life to him. And you know what? It's funny that how sometimes you don't get that stroke that you want. You don't get that pat on the back. And somehow you're willing to throw the whole will of God out the back door because you don't get a little pat on the back. Can I tell you something? You can give your whole life to Christ. You could give him every hour of your day. You could serve him in this church your whole life. And guess what? You would still owe him more. So I don't have a lot of respect for these people that run around desiring a stroke to continue serving God. We ought to be willing to give our life for Him, and we ought to put up with a lot of garbage in the meantime. <laughs> Amen. That's just what the Christian work is all about, folks. When you're dealing with mud in the in the in the trenches with with the, the sinful, and you, it's going to be muddy. Yeah. And we just got to bank in on that. Amen. We're not looking for some highfalutin, high church, you know, <laughs> mentality here. We're here in the in the trenches. And we're willing, I don't know about you, but I'm willing to give my whole life for the Lord. And I don't need anything from you or anybody else to make that happen. Now, I understand people will say, well, well, we don't want you here. Well, then I'll go somewhere else and do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? But all I know is I'm going to continue to do it. (laughs) That's all there is to it. Do you understand? And that's the same attitude you ought to have. Do the will of God. Give your heart to it. For the rest of your days, don't let one person become that reason why you're going to stop serving God with your life. Amen? First Samuel 18, verse 27, Wherefore David arose and went, and he and his men and slew the Philistines two hundred men. And David brought in their foreskins, and they gave... Uh, why? I don't know, guys. We're not going to go there. And, and they gave them in full tail to the king, and I guess this is the way you can count, <laughs> that he might be the king's son-in-law, and Saul gave him, Michal, his daughter, to wife. He said, oh, I guess I kind of put my foot in my mouth on that one. He came back with 200 instead of 100. That's when you, then you know God's on this man. And Saul saw knew that the Lord was with David. And that Macau, Saul's daughter, 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 loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Why was he afraid of David? What did David do to make Saul afraid? Well, it was simply the fact that he was afraid of losing his position. He saw David, and he knew in his heart that David's 100 times the man I am. And if you know what, if Israel needs a king, he's a way better king than me, but I still don't want to give it up. Because it's not about the good of the people. It's not about the good of the glory of God. It's about me and what I want. And remember what anger problems their source is? You want to get your own way. It's just about my getting my own way. You ever, have you guys caught yourself in the last little while when you get angry saying to yourself, you know what, this is probably because I just want my own way. Amen. I've had people call me on the telephone that have listened to the stuff online that weren't even in church, and they told me that the Lord had convicted them. He said, it must be very hard for carnal people to come to your church. I says, well, they either really love me or they really hate me. (laughs) That's what it's about. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, that's a good church to be in. When you know that people are saying, hey, carnal people would not feel comfortable here. Now, if you're carnal seeking the will of the Lord, you'll feel comfortable because you want to do right. Amen. Amen. You want to grow. You want to be better. But I mean, if you don't want to be better, it's going to be a tough haul for you to sit around and listen to this preaching all the time. Amen. Chances are you're going to get disgruntled about it. Amen. But anyways, who's going to stop me? Nobody. Amen. I'm going to keep preaching. And so... Then the princes of the Philistines went forth and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul so that his name was much set by. So you look at this. How do we defend ourselves when somebody attacks us? We go on the, we, we fight on the same level as them. That, you know why you do that? Because you want people to like you. You want people to think you're right. David didn't do any of that. He just behaved himself wisely. What was the result? his name was much set by. That means the Lord did the convincing in the heart of the people. He never had to. All he had to do was follow God and God took care of the rest, amen? That's the way we ought to do it. That's the way Jesus did when he came to the earth. He didn't come saying, hey, you know, I'm the Messiah, you better watch it. I'm the big kahuna around here. You, you go against me, you're going against God. I made you. All I got to do is this, and I could take your molecules apart. <laughs> Amen. Not once did he do something like that. He allowed the works of the Father and his Father himself and the witnesses that he had to become his mouthpiece. He let his own lifestyle and his own character become the, the preaching of his reputation. Amen. He never tried to bolster it by telling everybody, Go away, please. Now they're on this, this machine. Go to church. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? Yeah, they, they're obviously not watching live stream. <laughs> Ultimately, when the angry man will not deal with their anger, they will enlist supporters causing division with those in good conscience that will not be a part of it. This is an interesting thing because this is what Saul did. Now Saul's it's going a little further than his own personal his own personal problem. He was trying now to reach out and get supporters for his offenses. And that's what you see in 1 Samuel 19, verse 1, it says, And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself unto the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. Did Jonathan do wrong there? He did right. Now you say, well, no, blood's before everything. No, the Lord's before blood. Yeah. Truth is before blood all the time. You got to remember that, folks. It's hard. It's hard to take a stand against your dad. <laughs> you know, It's hard to take a stand against family when they're doing wrong. But you're never doing wrong by making the right decision. There's the one king whose mother, the queen, she became queen of Israel. And you know what? He, when he got power, he removed his mother from the throne. Because she wasn't right with God. That's a big deal. Many Christians today wouldn't do that. Because, oh, no, we can't do that. Yes, you can. You should. You have to deal with things. Amen? And Jonathan stood loyal. How do I stop this? Can I delete this? What do I do? Do not disturb? Okay, how do I do that? Do not disturb. What does it look like, <laughs> Madeline or David? Somebody. Oh, is it the bell? So there's your airplane mode. There's your Bluetooth volume. Volume down. That's a good one. Volume off. Yeah, that should be. Uh, that should do it. Okay. All right. And fine. remind me, delete that, all of that off of my stuff. All of it. I don't want that. All right. <laughs> and whoever called, please let them know what happened. <laughs> That'll stop them. Anyways, so Jonathan did not let blood dictate his loyalty when he knew that sin was involved. And so that's an important point for us. Jonathan could not bring himself against David. He would try to reach his father, but would not turn his hand against David as Saul desired. He wanted Jonathan to kill David. Hey, kill him. (laughs) Well, no, (laughs) I'm not going to do that. 1 Samuel 19, verse 4, it says, Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, ooh, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee very good work, very good. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. And the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and did rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of David. And Saul swore, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called David and Jonathan showed him all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as in times past. So here, David had already been javelin' twice. But guess what happened? Jonathan stood in his corner with the truth. See, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't be scared of standing up for someone that's doing right. And don't be scared against standing against sin. No matter who is doing it, stand up, be counted. Well, I'm scared what they'll do. Be far more scared what they will do if you let them go on because that's not loving them. In fact, it made an impact on Saul here. He actually says, okay, you know, I'll behave myself. I wish he got right. He didn't. But yet at the same time, it it made an impact. And that was because of Jonathan, a loyal man that wanted to stand for the things that are right. And stood in defense of an innocent person. Amen? An angry and bitter person knows the truth deep down. And sometimes can be reached through logical conversation. But the thing is, we get, so, we get so scared of dealing with someone, especially if they've got an anger problem. We just want to back right out of that thing. I don't want to become the next victim, and you may, because the Bible says that uh, if you rebuke a scorner, they may bring you shame. You may become the target, their next target. So what happens to people that rebuke people <laughs> over sin? But yet at the same time, you could also help them. So, are you going to allow your fear to keep you from making the right choices? Are you going to stand where you need to stand? You know, sometimes you just need to. Didn't cure Saul. He continued to brood and once again would throw his javelin at David another time. David made it look like he was sleeping in his bed this next time, though, when it happened, when he tried to throw the javelin at David. And David went home. At that point, Saul saying, we're killing him." And he sent his men to David's house. And of course, he had married Michal here. And, and uh, she was in on it where they made it look like he was sleeping in the bed. And, and uh, he had taken off. Now, this was the last time that Saul was going to be with, with, or David was going to be with Saul. So David had run from Saul to Ramah. Jonathan re-pledged his loyalty, encouraged David that he would tell him everything that Saul was planning. And so that's what he did. He says, "There's nothing that my dad won't do that I that I won't know." And so I'm going to tell you, so that you won't be, you don't have to be afraid of you know something happening that you don't understand. Uh, let's move on quickly here. David did what he could to live peaceably with Saul, but he knew the time had come where he could not could no longer risk his life to Saul's anger. You know you got to do your best. Like the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 18, it says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And sometimes you got to put up with a lot of garbage trying to live peaceably with people. But there does come a point, we learn that from the life of David here, where you just realize, I cannot spend time with this person anymore. I have got to be apart from him. And folks, when you were dealing with angry, bitter people... Uh, you know, uh, people that they're constantly insulting, they're constantly doing evil things like that, there comes a time where you say, you know what, we're just not going there anymore. You don't need to make a big statement about it. You don't need to stand on your soapbox. But you just have to say, you know, we're busy. I'm not going there, you know. And so be careful of stuff like that. But do whatever you can to live peaceably for when you can. So this became clear. When Jonathan defended David and Saul became so angry that he threw his javelin at his own son. So David was confused again. Okay, what's going on? I thought I was okay, but now he threw the javelin at me. Jonathan said, hey, I'm going to go back. I'll talk to dad. We'll see what's going on here. And that's what happens. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 20, verse 30. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. He said unto him, thou son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Now he blames his mother. Do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thy own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? Saul had no answer. And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. <laughs> Amen. I'm convinced. You know, when you have a son, a father now throwing the javelin at his son for simply standing with the person that he wants to kill, there ain't no way out of this. And now he knew that David cannot come back. We have to break fellowship. We have to break this off. And that's what took place. Remember, that's where he said, stand by the rock. And if I shoot an arrow and it goes past you and I'll tell my my, my uh, armor bearer, it's further on, then that's the cue for to tell you that you have to run. But if it's not, if it's right there, then I'll say it's near. And then that means you can come back home. <laughs> so you can imagine David sitting by that rock. In fact, the rock that David was sitting at, at that time, was, was a very well-known um, uh, landmark. And it was sitting at a crossroads. And so he's at this crossroads in his life and, and he didn't know what, what's gonna happen now. Am I gonna be brought back to the kingdom? Am I gonna be okay? Is the Lord gonna uh, soften the heart of my enemy or, or is he gonna continue to wanna kill me? Is this God's will for my life to run for the next how many years from King Saul? And sure enough, there came the arrows. I'm sure he was just waiting to hear what Jonathan was gonna say. And he said, you know, keep going. They're further. And I'm sure David's heart just sunk. He knew he'd never be coming back to the to palace to live with Saul and his family. And uh, he knew that God had now determined his path for his life. And that was to be on the run and hiding and keeping himself safe from Saul wanting to kill him. And for several years, this took place. Saul plotted and chased after David for years, showing how unrelenting evil that anger truly is. Just does not leave. You've you got to repent. It can't just be, okay, well, I'll try better. No, it's not about trying. It's about truly making sure you're dealing with the spiritual issues that are going on in your heart because it will resurface. It's an unrelenting evil that continues on in your life if you don't deal with it. David, during this process, during this running, could have killed Saul two times, but rather would trust God to bring his deliverance. The first time he cut a piece of Saul's skirt, remember he was chasing after him? At night he went and cut off his skirt and stood up in the morning and saying, hey, look what I got. <laughs> and guess what? Saul said, you know what, David? You're wiser than I am. You're right, I'm wrong. He admitted he was wrong when that happened. You'd think at that point he would just go home and say, okay, I'm wrong. No, nope. he came back again. So you know something? When I know about angry people and bitter people, they know they're wrong but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What a dangerous place to live. That's living outside of the fear of God. That's not being concerned about God's impact or what he's going to look at your life about and, and, and how he's going to deal with you. you know, uh, There should be one concern you have for your life, and that is you are right with God. That is everything. And if you're right with God, it doesn't matter what happens out here. Just make sure you're right with God in the things that you do. Saul, of course, didn't care whether he was right with God. God had already left him. Uh, they had no relationship. They had no fellowship. He was no longer talking to God. He had no prophet. He didn't care what uh, God had to say about it because God left him with his judgment. Your, your kingdom's gone. And he refused to submit to that judgment. Oh, no, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on my kingdom. It's not yours. Amen. It was God's in the first place. So Saul had power, but he could not find comfort and protection because he could no no longer followed the Lord. You think about that, he had everything. He had a kingdom, he had power, he had money, he had people all around him, but he had no comfort in his soul. I don't know about you, I'd rather be a poor man with a comforted, peaceful soul than be a rich man, tormented day and night because of my stinking anger. And bitterness. You know. Jeremiah talked about that in Jeremiah 2 19. It says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. That is a terrible thing. He says, An evil thing, and it's bitter that the, that the fear of God is not in your heart. That ought to be the first thing that we think about it. Would God be for this or against this? Now, if you can say, well, I don't care if God is for this, then you have no fear in your heart for God. The Bible says that's an evil and bitter thing. And that's going to catch up to you sooner or later. Saul had admitted on more than one occasion that he knew that he was wrong and that David would be king. He even said that. In fact, in 1 Samuel 24, it said, It came to pass when David made an end of speaking these words. This is after he had uh, taken his spear and, and, and uh, at night and, uh, and so forth. It says that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said, David, thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt with me For as much as when the Lord hath delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou surely will be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thy hand. Swear now, therefore, unto me by the Lord, that thou will not cut off my seed after me, and that thou will not destroy my name out of the, my father's house. And David swear upon unto Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men gat them up unto the hold. You'd say, man, this is it. Saul came to himself. He's repented. I mean, he's no longer angry. He's come to the truth. He admitted the truth right here. Guess what? One chapter later, he had some men coming. Hey, we know where David is. He got thousands of men to come up against David again. Yet he knew the truth. You will be king. This is a man that has no fear of God in his life. Folks, you got to be careful about stuff like that. (laughs) Amen. What a terrible thing. That anger, it really deceives you. Second time, 1 Samuel 26 21, then Saul said, I have sinned. This is when he when he took his spear and the cruise of water. I have sinned Return, my son David for I'll no more do thee harm because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day behold I've played the fool and I've erred exceedingly and David answered and said behold the king's spear Let one of the men come over and fetch it the Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness for the Lord delivered thee into my hand today but I would not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed there's the principle David behaved himself wisely by principle. He says, this is the principle I'm operating by. And it was because he operated by that principle that the Lord worked on his behalf. Amen. And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then said to David, blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. Now after this encounter, Saul never came back to David because this was the end. David, Saul was so depressed, he had no guidance in his life, he had nobody telling him how to live right, how to do right, he no longer was listening to the voice of God, he was not reading his Bible, he didn't care about the principles of scripture that will guide him, but yet the battles were still there, the pressures of life, the Philistines were still on the horizon, uh, coming after the people of God, and, and Saul took it upon himself to be the king. So now how are you going to guide this? How are you going to take care of these people? How are you going to protect the children of Israel with no God and no principles to guide your way? How are you going to be a father? How are you going to be a wife? How are you going to be a child in the home when you've got no principles to guide your way? I mean, you're a foolish person and you're living a very empty life. And really, you will have no peace in your heart because you don't know what's going to happen because really, you've got no God taking care of you. All I know is my home is nothing without God. If God was not there, we would have been destroyed a long time ago. That's the reason my house has peace. I pray for it all the time. The Lord would make my house a house of peace. I had times in my first ministry where it was such a wicked place. And I'd pray and I'd walk around the property and say, Lord, I'm going to give this property to you. This belongs to you. I want your Holy Spirit to possess this and let it be a place where people come and they will sense your presence. And I had so many people come and say, man, when I come here, I feel such peace. That's what we ought to want. But Saul had none of that because he didn't turn to the Lord. He didn't desire the Lord to protect his people or his family or himself. You've got to totally put your trust in him. Totally let him guide your life. Amen. But an angry man doesn't do that. Why? I want my way. I want my way. Saul became desperate for protection and guidance. He burned his bridge with God by not repenting. Samuel was dead at this point, so he turned to sorcery. Where at one time he actually killed witches in the land, he would be the one that would drive them out and keep the land pure. And and now he's, in fact, when he went to the witch, he thought, What kind of trick is this? Because you're the one that used to kill us. He said, Don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. And he went to the witch. The message Saul received by Samuel would be one that Saul should have known clearly. And he should have known it as others already did know it. They knew this about Saul. But his deception kept him from thinking he was in, that he was in control. In 1 Samuel 28, this is after he had got this witch to conjure up Samuel. Now, I don't understand this. You'll have different opinions about this, whether this is truly Samuel or not. But all I know is what, whoever this is that said what they said, they're talking exact truth. It's truth. And what we see here is, this is what it said in 1 Samuel 28, verse 16. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and is become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him, and as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the land of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. In fact, Samuel just said in 24 hours, Saul, you and your boys are gonna be right where I am. You're gonna be dead. Wow. Well, the Bible tells us that Saul, when he heard this, fell to the ground and shook and was greatly afraid. Well, of course you should be. <laughs> but why are you so surprised what he just told you? Because in all reality, you've been told this several times before and you, he, Samuel told this to you while you were alive, while he was alive, but he didn't take it seriously. But now with his judgment looming over it, oh, now it all of a sudden hits a little harder. There is no side with God when you're living in anger. In fact, he said that God is now your enemy. Wow. Bitter, angry person. You can talk about God all you want, but God has nothing to do with you. You are his enemy. Oh, How dare you? I'm not saying anything. It's not about me. It's what God says. He's not going to side with an angry person. He's not going to side with a bitter, insulting, ungodly person. You make yourself the enemy of God. You can either repent, humble yourself, or fight in your own power. Be proud. Losing everything that's good in your life is what's going to happen. And so ultimately, that's what took place. Saul died. Thought he could escape the judging hand of God. I don't know what he thought about this in his own heart what was going to really take place but he went out there to fight like any other battle and thought perhaps maybe I can escape this but of course he couldn't what god said was going to happen is going to happen 20 by 24 hours later they were dead him and his sons even jonathan this righteous good son was killed because of his dad in fact ultimately when it came to his end it was saul didn't die honorably by the sword of the enemy saul died by his own sword Because he was afraid. Isn't it amazing, this fearful man, right from the beginning, we talked about his anger and how fear was a part of that. And now right at the end, he put a sword into his own body because he was afraid that the enemy would take him and do things to him. That's why he wanted to kill himself. (laughs) Wow. It's interesting. When he was finally killed and his sons, the enemy took the bodies of Saul and his boys and hung them up on a wall for everybody to see. Some valiant men heard about that, and they got on their horses and said, we're not going to let this happen to our king. And they wouldn't. Faced whatever they had to, to take those bodies off that wall and give these men the burial of a king, and the king and the royal family. It's amazing that the honor that Saul was seeking for his whole life was only given to him after he died. And many times that's all you're going to get if you're going to be an angry person. He could have all kinds of honor in his life if he would have just done right. David was honored mightily and he never sought for it one time. <laughs> he was honored over and over and over again. Amen. Saul sought for the honor, but he never found it. Until his body was, headless body was hanging on a wall. Now you got the honor, but you're not there to enjoy it. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. An angry, bitter person refuses to believe that God will hold them accountable for their anger and the damage that it does. Somehow, this is just a human thing. Somehow, hey, this is just me. You know, this is the way I deal with things. No, sir. If you're being angry, and that's the way you're dealing with things, you will be held accountable before God. That is not a natural part of how God created you. That new creature you are has nothing to do with that anger. That is something you're choosing to allow in your life because you will not submit yourself to the word of God. That's where the anger comes from. You want your own way. Instead of just submitting yourself, because you don't want to maybe look like you're lower than others, you want to maybe hold your position, whatever it is, there is something that is rooted in that anger, and that anger is being seen, but what you don't see is exactly why that anger is there. That is something you know as you evaluate your own personal life. Amen? Don't think God will hold you accountable. You make excuses. Blame others for how things are going. Believe that I'm justified in my anger. Somehow I've got the right to do this. I've got the right to be like this. You condemn those that confront you with it. You accuse God of mistreating you in your life and allowing these things to happen. You threaten those that expose you in your error and your sin because of your anger. You destroy those that oppose you because they're going against your strategy that you want in life. You retaliate against those that hurt you. And it becomes a revenge game. Anger is terrible. I had a fellow talk to me on the phone. And he says, I I sent one of your anger messages to my brother. And he said, but I warned him. (laughs) I says, you got to be ready to hear this. Because when you hear it, you're probably going to have to come to grips with the fact that you're not as good as you think you are. How true that is. If we're not willing to humble ourselves and see ourselves for what we are, how are we ever going to deal with stuff like this? Because our anger will always be justified. Well, I didn't do anything wrong, and yet you're angry, yet you're bitter, yet you insult. Yet you tear people down. You try to ruin their reputation or talk down about them to make them look worse than they are. When people try to have fellowship, it can never be uplifting. You can talk about people and think about the good things they've done. You've got to talk about the bad things they've done. You've got to bring them down because there's something inside of you that needs to be resolved with God. The result of that is your anger. And your anger will hurt you and it'll hurt your family and it'll hurt the church. We've seen this happen. Even recently, how anger reveals itself and the damage that it does. Well, I'm not going to fight on that level, <laughs> you know. You ought never either. We got to be like David. We got to behave ourselves wisely in these situations. Start, keep living by principle. Let the Lord be your defense. Let Him at the end be the one to have the final word. Amen. Doesn't have to be you. Are you one of those people always got to have the final word? Probably because you got an anger problem. Because you just can't let God deal with it. It's got to be your way or no way. Amen.